everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? Great, how are you? Doing great, thanks. How's the weather your way? It's in the 80s. Nice. It's um, pretty warm over here. Um, yeah, it's uh, well, it's it's around seven degrees Celsius, 45 Fahrenheit. So your definition of warm, my definition of warm, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, I mean it is nice, but um, yeah. It's definitely a case where, like, yeah, we, we, it, it's interesting because when I hear your version of warm, I'm like, that's so hot. Oh my gosh. But it's all relative, right? North yeah. America is a large continent. Yeah. And we're an exact opposite. End. Like, we, well, unless we were like, you know, well, I mean, North America. <laughs> we're pretty mm. much like on the mainland. We're like the furthest that you could be from each other, which is Florida and Vancouver. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I mean, yeah, technically we could be further away from each other, but that's still pretty far. I mean, we're on like we're on like exact diagonal kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're here to talk about Gilmore Girls, um, you know, or, and the weather too, but a lot of Gilmore Girls, and in particular, we're talking about season six, episode five, which is called "We've Got Magic to Do." Um, yeah, and. Kind of a big episode because I think for the longest time throughout this season thus far, uh, Emily and Richard have been under the presumption that Lorelai was wrong about the Huntsburgers and all that. And she found, they finally find out that, no, actually, Lorelai was right. And they've been kind of lead, lead, or leading Rory on this wrong path this entire time, which is kind of interesting. So, um, brings up a good point about not listening to Lorelai and what consequences that has. Yeah. And it's interesting that, like, I think they kind of have a natural inclination to kind of write off Lorelai, but, like, in yeah. this case, like, yeah, they they didn't listen and look what happens, right? Um, she's her mother. I mean, I think they fail to recognize that sometimes, that this is her mother. Yes. And they were, they were alone for 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, well, I made that very clear in episode. Yeah. That... Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Rory kind of has to organize this big DAR party uh, for Emily, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, Richard confronts uh, Logan's dad Mitchum in the bathroom, no less, uh, about his opinion on Rory's journalism skills. Uh, Emily, uh, you know, when she finds wind of what happens with, uh, with what, with, well, the truth of what happened with Mitchum and Rory, she goes and makes a, uh, a direct line to She-Ra, uh, Mitchum's wife, and, uh, just rips into her, which definitely is the best line of the episode by a long stretch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've favorite So, um, Yeah. Uh, and also too, uh, yeah, uh, there's like a, kind of like a small kitchen fire at the Dragonfly, so Lorelai needs Richard's help in setting up the insurance claim. Um, yeah, 
and then you know she's kind of they kind of use this part to kind of like reintroduce Lorelai's skepticism I think for Richard so that what happens later kind of has that big payoff but um, yeah she's kind of reminding him of her views on that and what happened and all that um, yeah yeah and then I think you know kind of like at the end like Richard kind of admits that Rory is not where she should be like she shouldn't be organizing these DAR meetings as fun as they they seem like they that party seemed like it was a lot of fun but she should be back at school you can see this in her face when she's thanking everybody that night you just see Richard's face of it just feels like they're realizing more and more that they failed Rory yeah no 100% cool um yeah, this episode was uh, written by Danielle Palladino, which is very surprising. Because uh, it wasn't as terrible yeah. as I was expecting for him. But it was still there was still a body image for fat joke in there. Yeah, he does love his fat jokes, which are not good at all. But um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, favorite line or favorite performance, sorry, or least favorite performance. What was your favorite performance in this episode? Favorite, favorite was the dog. <laughs> Just like last episode, Nora from DAR, Jane Carr. Her voice sound really familiar. I I like her as an actress. She's the one with the English accent. Okay. She also has my one of my favorite quotes, which is, "I'm really upset about this. And I'm far too sober to put in any sort of perspective." Um, she's been a lot she's been acting since 1967 and you probably have heard her voice already because she's done a lot of voiceovers and a lot of cartoons and other things mm-hmm. so and i also liked um mitchum's performance that actor does, is good he's in a lot of shonda rhyme shows yeah um, like scandal um and i just thought he did that he did a really like a great performance of telling richard how it is but then also kind of looking smarmy at the same time like his son Yes. Yeah. Uh, I really like. Sookie. Sookie's insufferable. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Uh, I gotta say, I think Sookie was Miley's favorite as well. I just, I find her so insufferable. And I don't know, there's not really much going on with her storyline. She's just trying to get Rory and Lorelai back together, but also she's just being kind of abominable about it all, too. So, I don't know. Not the particularly. Date. Sorry. Alone, the whole wedding date. Yeah. Yeah, like, she's rushing them on the wedding date and all this. It's like, why? doesn't need to be done right away. Like, also, too, like, have some kind of understanding that right now Lorelai's going through some stuff. Like, it doesn't need to happen right now. Calm down. Um, okay. Uh, my favorite was Richard. I think Richard did a pretty good job this episode. Especially because, like, I think a lot of it was, like, kind of on him to sort of, I guess, in a way, like, he's kind of the one that's responsible for sort of, like, figuring out that, like, they've done wrong. So... I really like that they did that. Um, yeah, and then least favorite, yeah, Suki. Um, what was your favorite reference from this episode? My 
favorite reference was um, you're always so Desmond Tootie this is very refreshing that's from Paris to Rory because Rory starts kind of enforcing the rules because mm-hmm. Desmond Tootie who passed away this year or late last year um, had this kind of joy to him um, and if you want to read a really good book uh, Desmond Tuto and, and Dalai Lama wrote a book together called The Book of Joy and you can really see both of them how they are or they were these two amazing religious figures and Dalai Lama is still Dalai Lama um, but they also incorporated play and fun into their lives um, and I think that's a really neat thing to see so mm-hmm. uh, the audio book is also excellent so it's called The Book of Joy that they both wrote and you can really see that he was a little bit of a, of a prankster but in a good way Mm-hmm. Um, nothing ever hurt anybody, but he just he just liked to kind of just be joyful about life, even mm-hmm. when life had dealt him some pretty tough things. Um, so so yeah, I like that reference. How about you? Uh, Lorelai says so. Mutt and Jeff, what's the prognosis here? Um, and uh, Mutt oh, and Jeff yeah. was a a long running ca- cartoon and. Um, Usually in the San Francisco Chronicle, but a few other places as well. So, I actually had a book of, uh, like a collection of all those comics when I was younger. So. Oh, all the Mutt and Jeff ones? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I totally missed that. But yeah, that's that's a phrase I think that I heard. Mm hmm. A lot. Yeah, it's definitely an older cartoon, but. Or older comic strips, uh, but. Uh, it went on for quite a while too. I know, like, mm-hmm. it basically went on until 1980, so or 1983, I think. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, Mutt Jeff basically was like uh, a patient and a doctor. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, favorite quote from this episode? Do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, so Emily's whole speech, Schlonsberger. Which oh, yeah. Um, and also um, Nora's quote, too, the one I mentioned about. Which is so big deal with this. From Pinsky's perspective. Which yeah. Which doesn't really make sense, and I like that about it. Mm hmm. It kind of makes sense, but totally doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I put the Emily quote to Shira as well. I just, I, I mean, like, okay, normally Emily is nasty for the sake of being nasty but in this case like she's nasty with a purpose because she's standing up for people in her family and what i find hilarious oh, too is it's daniel paladino and he normally kind of thinks that she's like a bitch like he doesn't give her that level yeah. of insight and depth that she otherwise could so it's kind of surprising to see him give her that reverence that arguably she deserves uh, and she's just cold as ice when she does it too. <laughs> yeah, and she puts on a good. And she puts on a face to like make it seem like she's being polite, but she's not really. Oh yeah, like she's not gonna make a scene. I mean, she's, it's very Dolores Umbridge, you know. It's like the smile, but it's like totally vicious. Yeah. And I thought she did a really good job. Yeah. Um, we also got to see Emily and Richard dance, which they are both uh, Tony winners, so yeah. they have a lot of dance cred. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And they very very clearly enjoy it, both performing it and doing it, like, as characters, so. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. They just seem like people. I mean, I know that mm-hmm. that um, uh, Emily, who's what's, I can't her name now, but she's supposed to be just really nice in real life. Nothing like her character. Yeah. Um, they almost put a character in their dancing a little bit, it looked like. Mm-hmm. That they're just having a good time. Yeah. I'll throw in the, the obligatory, this is not what DAR's like at all. I was going to say, yeah. This, this, I didn't say that last episode just seems like it's not really accurate at all like no. dressing up in world war ii outfits it's like somebody looked up what the da actually dar actually is and was like this is our t- twisted version of this i i think it's hysterical though just like what the how they wrote it up because i mean it's gotta it's gotta be over the top right mm-hmm. for tv but it's just it makes me laugh it's like it's yeah um we have a little bit of trivia here uh, Paris claims in this episode that she's broke, but then you never hear it brought up again. So she must have made some money because she never mentions yeah. being broke again. Um, and what was the phrase she said that they flipped off the IRS too many times, or what was? The yeah, I think it was they flipped off the IRS too many times. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, basically implying that her parents were doing some shady things with taxes and whatnot. So. Um, Paris says that she doesn't know how to work, but then we've seen her work before, both at a soup kitchen and she was building a house with Rory, Madeline, and Louise. So she very clearly knows how to work. That's right. She she must have forgot. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you just forget how to work. You just forget these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when Rory was having her panic attack, Paris offers her. Uh, fluoxetine, uh, and that drug is the generic name for Prozac, which is an antidepressant, which takes up to three weeks to build in the body's system, so it wouldn't have any effect on Rory's acute panic attack. So sometimes even even um, five weeks. So, yeah. Yep. Um, so if you're taking Prozac and it's not working right away, it's it takes a little while. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, I forget the other drug she mentioned. She mentioned some other stuff. D- Dizapam. Oh, Valium. Yeah. She offers it to her in 50 and 100 milligrams, although Dizapam only comes in two, five, and 10 milligram tablets. So. <laughs> oh, you're just coming with the knowledge. <laughs> so 100 milligrams, at least in this drug, doesn't exist. Right. That's and if it did, it would probably kill you. <laughs> so. What is going on with Paris? I would be getting these these um these unique formulations. <laughs> yeah. Maybe your parents have an in with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health observations. Any observations from this episode? We Berger doing a gaslighting technique. So Richard confronts him, and I mean Huntsberger did kind of have a point that you know he's known for just being direct. Um, and that this is exactly what, and he calls, he calls out, um, Richard and says, you know, this is exactly what you would do in business. Mm-hmm. And you see that Richard's coming from a place of love, right? That he, yeah. or he wants to, to, or wants to protect Rory. Um, but when he says, you know, that's, you know, you didn't have to go that far, whatever. Huntsberger says, well, no one's ever critiqued you. 
which is actually a form of gaslighting to say that to somebody. So Huntsberger's taking the focus of him having kind of poor behavior and saying to Richard, well, you know, you've never been critiqued. Like, it, it's trying to spin the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so he... Like part of that. And then Paris's parents not giving her any type of money when, they're, when their assets are frozen, it really kind of explains a little more about their relationship that they really haven't been parents to her. Nanny's been her parent. Yeah, you would think you'd give her something, you know. You still need money to do things, so. Right, to the point where she's borrowing 20 bucks from Rory. Mm-hmm. But she has no money whatsoever. Yeah. But it fits with what we know about her parents, too. So. Yeah, and I think, too, like, it's also the fact that, like, it's Paris. Like, it, you know, I don't know. Just kind of it fits, it fits in line with her personality in a weird way. So. Yeah, because she starts like going like full anti-capitalist. Yeah. Just, as she normally does. Paris, Paris right. Does doesn't make sense for most people, but it makes sense for Paris. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah. Any other mental health observations from this episode? Sorry. Well, I thought it was interesting that Emily with Huntsberger, with Mrs. Huntsberger, which I can't remember her name, Shira, that yeah. she, um, there's a table up in front that she said is like the slush table for people that show up late. Um, and so Emily goes to the lengths of changing the seating arrangements around. That's how much she's willing to kind of make this thing with Huntsberger work, mm-hmm. which kind of fits with her personality, but I'm thinking that's also not great right if you show up late you're late right mm-hmm. so and then we have emily kind of just really worried about that things aren't going to be done her way at the dar thing which turns out that emily or rory sells everything out so um emily's got this real issue of things not going her way and change mm-hmm. that she's just not going to have it yeah um yeah and i don't know i like it's funny because like when uh richard and mitchum were having it out in the bathroom and then later emily and shira i'm like i don't really care about any of these characters because like obviously emily and richard are close to the protagonist so i guess we were for them but like really they're all rich people and so when like Mitchum was saying, like, wouldn't you do the same thing? I'm like, yeah, he's he's right. You probably would. Because because he did do it. Yeah. I saw that, and, and, you know, when Richard was retiring, where he was kind of forced into retirement, mm-hmm. he says, you know, I they did to me what I did to so-and-so. Yeah. It's just, a, so the, yeah, it's not really fair because, I don't know, not necessarily everyone's in that same same boat in terms right. of, like, you know, being in the same social class, but like these two are like they're they're both in the, cut from the same cloth. So I don't know. That was definitely something where I was like, I think Mitchum might be a little right on this because mm-hmm. they they are cut from the same cloth. Like I don't think it fully excuses what he did to Rory, but it's still. But like you said, you you bring somebody on that you like, they don't work. It's, you know, affecting your bottom line. Richard's like, she didn't affect your bottom line, which is absolutely true. But we yeah. know the real reasons behind him offering her internship. 
Well, yeah. He even mentions it, too. He's like, yeah, she came to dinner and it was not a good dinner. That's why. Like, he admits fully that that's why he did it. Although when Rory asked him, he was like, who cares why you're here? But obviously, he knows deep down why she's there. But again, you know, it's interesting that Richard may need to look at a little bit of his own behavior. Mm-hmm. Granted, Huntsberger brought that up to kind of deflect from his own behavior, but still, he's not wrong. No, no. But in a way, I kind of like, yeah, I, I, I find both of them to be mildly dislikable, although probably Richard less yeah. so because he is the... He's kind of the, one of the protagonists of the story, but at the same time, too, I'm like, yeah, I I don't... You don't get my sympathies as much as you might expect, so... You know, too, he's just sticking up for Rory and how much he loves her. And yeah. He's being a, uh, what a grandpa would do, which is stick up for you, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, one would hope. But, um, yeah, but they, I, they both are not totally innocent in this. No. Uh, anything else mental health wise? Not covered. I mean, I can keep going. <laughs> I yeah. I did. I do find it interesting that like you kind of get these little bit of cracks with Rory where you can tell that she wants to go back to Yale and wants to go back to normal. Yeah. Like there's starting to be a little bit of cracks in the facade for her. Which I find it interesting. So I think that would be very realistic for a lot of people. Is like. You have those moments where you're enjoying your current lifestyle and where you're living, but then I think once that fades away, you kind of have that like wash over where you're like, "Oh, this is actually what I wanted this whole time." So, no, it's nice. It'll be interesting to see if she actually does go back to the scene. We'll find out. Okay. I'm gonna guess no, or she's gonna go and drop out again. Hmm. Maybe Mitchum hires her to work for him instead skip school together just go get on the job experience right oh and i don't know if this is the episode that that logan called her ace or the last one but i think it was maybe the last one when he invited all his friends over but calling her ace has become has gone from a term of endearment to something just kind of yucky yeah and um, a way of almost like demeaning her and putting her down so which is it just it's Like, I know a lot of people around that time that came up with nicknames, and then that's, like, the only thing they would say to you. And you're like, dude, like, you got to say something else. Like, I kind of get that impression from him. Like, I don't know if he means it maliciously, but the fact that he says it all the time is just like, oh, my gosh, dude. Like, really? No. No. Like, but here's the thing. I went to high school and university with people like that where they were just repeat jokes and you're like, okay, this is getting tiring. But for them, it's not like for them, they seem to think that it just, it can go on forever. And it's like, not necessarily wait till you're paying your own bill. Then, you know, talk to somebody because yeah, it's not always like easy. So, okay. Uh, what would you give this episode a score of? <laughs> this is still I I'm finding that I let I dislike this episode or mm. this season. Not I don't like well dislike strong. I don't like it as much as I liked the previous seasons. Yeah. Great on me a little. I think season four will always be like the best season for me. And then I yeah. With that. It just kinda goes downhill from there for me. 
Is it me or does it look like Alexis Bledel the gross bird? It, it does, doesn't it? She looks a little bit more mature in this one. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, what do you think of her score? Yeah. But I'll tell you again, seven. I mean, it was okay. I'm just not. This season just is missing something. Mm. And they, you know, we've talked about this before. Like they replaced the, they they ended this relationship between Rory and her mother, but didn't replace it with anything really solid. No, I think they were kind of hoping that these two characters would hold their own, but it doesn't really happen. No. Like, I, I don't think you need to have them always together, but you need to have them having that contact for the show to have a charm. Um, I'll give the episode... I'll give it an eight. I do think it's good. I do like the line with from Emily. I think that's one of the best lines on the show in general. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It, it's... It's just lacking that charm, I think, that we need from Gilmore Girls. So, cool. Well, Steph is over at 70sarkas.com. Gaslighting is her book, and Talking Brains is her other podcast. And I'm over at 3ingreeners.com, where almost every other day we've got new content going up. And with that said, we'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Um.